This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. And what a week it was at Toronto City Hall. It actually began a week ago last night when John Tory shocked everyone by announcing he'd had an affair with a former staff member and would be resigning to repair his relationship with his wife of 45 years, Barbara Hackett. But that resignation did not come over the weekend or on Monday, and that's when it was announced that John Tory would stay on through the 2023 City of Toronto budget process, which took place all day on Wednesday. It was late on Wednesday night. John Tory followed through on his promise and submitted his resignation to take place effective 5 p.m. Friday yesterday. As the week began, Fight Back gathered a group of Toronto City councillors to react not only to Tory's intention to resign, but how the budget deliberations might play out. Paula Fletcher represents Ward 14 Toronto Danforth. Brad Bradford is councillor for Ward 19 Beaches East York. And Josh Matlow represents Ward 12 Toronto St. Paul's. Libby started the conversation by asking Josh Matlow if he plans to run in the by-election to succeed John Tory. I don't know. It's a lot to take in from a big announcement on Friday night. There's certainly a lot of conversations happening, but I, I, I honestly don't know yet. Brad Bradford, are you going to run? Uh, you know, I'm actually really focused on the budget this week. Um, it would be way too early to say this is a really important week for Toronto. I think we're all processing the events of last Friday. It's a lot to reflect on. Um, but there is a lot of concern about how the city moves forward, what that looks like, and uh, and what that leadership is going to mean for us on a on a go forward basis. Are Are you thinking about it? That that is uh, what I've been hearing, actually. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about the budget, and I'm thinking about how we move forward. Uh, I think, and we'll probably get into this conversation, but there's still a lot of things up in the air. Uh, phone calls are happening, text messages are flying, but you know, that, I'm not unique to that. There's a lot of people having those conversations right now. Um, but honestly, the priority is the next few days. The budget is such a seminal document. It is so important for us to continue to deliver those frontline services. Uh, you know, crime and safety is really important for a lot of people, top of mind. And uh, transit and housing, all that stuff is here in the budget. And, um, you know, with, with all the uncertainty right now, we're not exactly sure how that's going to play out. So that's where my, my attention and focus is for the next few days. Uh, Paula Fletcher, are you going to run? Well, I haven't considered that yet, but since I think Brad and Josh are both running and being very coy with you today, who knows what's going to happen. Um, so it is uh, the week that was, Libby. That's what we'll look back and think, oh, my gosh, it's starting to remind me a bit of a previous mayor. My understanding is is that the province has said that these strong mayor powers are not 
transferable. Do any of you yes. have a little more clarity on that? Does I don't it mean they are? And what about for even for Jennifer McKelvey? They're when, not transferable. I not think to when anyone. this was written, it was written kind of quickly. The mayor asked for it. We came out of the election. He said, I've asked for the premier for these things. I don't believe they're transferable. I looked into that. So we're now sitting in a place where for the budget, at least, which is the mayor's budget, his budget, we have a little bit of a problem. So I think he will have to come there. It's not as clear as I'd like, but that's what I understand. So with an acting mayor, they would not have the full powers. We may have to go back to democratic rule in the city of Toronto (laughs) instead of one man rule in the city of Toronto, Libby. Given that the city is basically the creature of the province, given that the premier of the province has not hesitated to wade in and change things. So could that, you know, I think the by-election and the rules for the by-election, they're part of this strong mayor power legislation. So uh, do any of you have any insight on whether any or all of that might change? Josh? We're always wondering what the province is going to do. You know, often they make these unilateral announcements. And that's why I, I remain uh, resolved that we need not, not so much strong mayor powers, but we need a strong Toronto. We need the ability to have uh, like legislative ability to actually make decisions and move forward with an agenda for a city, rather than always begging the province for abilities or getting surprised by what they announce and that we have to react to. You know, rather than like, I guess I just I, I regret that the mayor used he had such an he had such immense political currency, and I just regret that that currency was used focusing on the strong mayor and not so much, um, uh, uh, you know, I say this kind of rhetorically, a strong Toronto. What, what I mean by that is like actual like charter ability to be able to have real say over everything from revenue to governance to land use planning. Um, and I just think that we'd achieve our goals better if the preponderance of things that we passed to council didn't have to end the sentence with we are asking the province for. City Councilors Josh Matlow, Paula Fletcher, and Brad Bradford. This is the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Almost as soon as John Tory announced he would resign, the positioning and speculation about a coming mayoral race got underway. Urbanist Gil Penaloso was the first to announce he would try again to become Toronto's mayor after coming second to John Tory in October. Gil is a friend of Zoomer Media and ran a very credible and lively campaign in the recent election. Gil joined Libby in studio on Monday. I wouldn't have been as shocked in other things. For example, I think that when he was negotiating with Ford, the mayoral powers, in the middle of the election, uh, I think that that was really bad. But I I would not have been as shocked because four years before, he was negotiating reducing council from 44 to 25. And now he was negotiating mayoral powers. I'm shocked is that these things are not coming out. Like when he negotiated mayoral powers, I'm sure that it was a team of Ford and a team of Tory. It wasn't just the two of them on the cottage. Of course, it's very. I think it's very bad for the city. I think it's very bad for him. I think it's bad for his family. But also, I mean, it was something that was coming. Like when the Toronto Star started talking about it was because uh, there were lots of rumors of divorce months ago, yeah. months ago. It, it, it wasn't last week. It wasn't that his family were, was not aware of it. So... 
but I don't know. But I, I think is I think it's bad for the city. Yeah. But 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 I hope that when people were so concerned Friday night, I hope that they re, they saw that Saturday morning the song came out. Uh, <laughs> it was not. It's not the end of the world. I think that it's a done deal. I think that we need to focus more on the present and the future, and realize that um, that that Tory will not be mayor anymore. Okay, so one of the things that Tory got very high marks for was his relationships with the other levels of government. And uh, even another thing that way back shocked us was how that he and Doug Ford were bitter rivals in the elections. And they're, they're like, it's a, a bromance. So um, what has been your dealings with Doug Ford so far? And how do you think you would get along with him? I think I would get along very well, both with Doug Ford as well as with Prime Minister Trudeau. Uh, I think I would get along even better because I think it would be a respectful uh, relationship. I think that the relationship between Tory and Ford, he, I think Tory abdicated the city to Ford. I think that even the mayoral powers, the mayoral powers are powers if and only if they are aligned with the provincial goals. Uh, so, so I, I, I don't think he has stood his case, whether it's Ontario Place or whether it's at the Eglinton West LRT. I think, uh, I mean, anybody can have a nice relationship if you are giving, 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 giving and never taking. But, but, I, but it takes a lot of money though, and yeah, we need it. <laughs> we need it. Yes. No, I, I think that I would have a very respectful and, and good relationship. I mean, I like some things that Do you Ford, know? I, I like things that Ford has done. For example, I think the housing, I think the municipalities across Ontario have failed or on increasing housing. So I think that the fact that, that Ford came out and said, Hey, this is a crisis. We need to do something. I'm totally against taking one meter in the green belt. I think it's horrible. Okay, but having him going into housing, I think is good. What would you like to tell people? Why should they vote for you in the upcoming? Well, because I, I think I have the experience and I have the knowledge. I have worked in over 350 cities. In the case of older adults, for example, I, I've been working with older adults over 25 years. I've been hired by mayors and governors of more than 22 states in the U.S. to work in issues around older people. It's one third of our lives. And I do think that we can live older, healthier and happier. I also think that issues such as housing, I think we put a lot of emphasis on the province and the, and the federal, but there's a lot of things that we could be doing in the city and that we are not doing. I think that the city hall has failed. There's Suburbs. I think the city hall is face, uh, it has failing also uh, new Canadians. I think that we can have a Toronto for everyone. When I ask citizens, what do you think of the city? The, the young people say, oh, it's good, but for the older. I ask the older, say it's good, but for the younger. I mean, everybody thinks it's good, but for someone else. <laughs> I think we can have a city that is really good for everybody. Urbanist Gil Penalosa in conversation with Libby on Monday. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Coming up after the break, what our recovering politicians think of the John Tory story next. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. 
Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. John Tory was the talk all week, including when our Recovering Politicians panel joined Fight Back on Tuesday. At that point, we knew Tory would stay to see through the 2023 budget. But people were still in shock about what seemed to be uncharacteristic behavior by John Tory to get involved in a relationship with a much younger staff member. Peggy Nash is a former NDP MP for Parkdale High Park. Janet Ecker is a former Ontario PC cabinet minister. And George Smitherman is a former Ontario Liberal cabinet minister. Libby asked them first their reactions to Tory's bombshell news. Oh, I think uh, the matter of whether the situation was so severe to dictate that he resign is not is a moot point as far as I'm concerned. He knows that he had to, uh, and that's really what matters in the circumstance. And I would say with respect to the shoes that have to be filled or the budget gap uh, more precisely, that now is not the time for on-the-job training. <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting take. Janet, um, what's your view? for? So first of all, I, I'm assuming that you were surprised like the rest of us, or were you not? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think for most most of us anyway. I mean, obviously, he'd reached out to some some intimate advisors and stuff, as he should have when when the issue started to arise. But first of all, it's a very tragic, sad thing. Uh, second, because you know, secondly, John is a the kind of politician in many ways that we all wish we had more of. Um, he really cares about the job, who put in the hours, who you know, tried to make the best decisions. I mean, he was incredibly well motivated. I mean, he didn't need all this flack, et cetera. So we've lost somebody who, you know, we need more people like John in politics. So, I mean, that, you know, leads to the tragedy as well as the personal side of it for him and his family and, and the young woman involved. But unfortunately, I don't think he had any choice but to resign. I mean, you can talk about how you know, whether he should have announced he was going to stay till after the budget out of the gate or something. I mean, you can pick apart the details, but you can't be out there with the image that is authentic, or at least one authentic, of him as the straight-laced, you know, common sense, down-to-earth, integrity, accountability, all of that stuff that was his brand and was so important to his brand, and then, you know, make a, an error in judgment like this, right? And and he didn't, I don't think he had a choice in the long, and even you can see now with the budget stuff, and I, I can understand why he's wanting to stay on for the budget, quite frankly, um, but you can just see it's getting messier and messier every day, and there's just no easy out on this. So your heart kind of goes out to all of them. I mean, we're all capable of making errors in judgment from time to time, um, and this one, is, this was a big one. Peggy Nash. <laughs> well, you know, it is ironic that um, John Tory campaigned uh, after the the craziness of Rob Ford that he would bring uh, kind of normalcy to. The mayor's office, and, and he did we find our. Pardon me. He did. He did, and so we find ourselves in this unprecedented, chaotic situation where, because of Doug Ford's new strong mayor powers that the mayor has, um, we really don't have a clear path forward. So, um, it, you know, I think in the post Me Too era, uh, John Tory clearly transgressed 
it's not acceptable that a woman who depends on you for her job uh, is um, is a person you're having that kind of personal relationship with. And, you know, people say, well, he did the ethical thing, but I don't agree. He did the ethical thing when he was outed by the Toronto Star. And um, I feel badly for this young woman who now has left her job in the mayor's office and is working someplace else. I hope she's able to maintain her privacy. Um, yeah, the mayor made a colossal mistake. He needs to be accountable for it, not just when he's exposed. He shouldn't have run for re-election, quite frankly, knowing that this could blow up. And I think it's sad for the city that we're now put in this turmoil and that we have to go through the expense of another election for mayor when the budget, as you quite rightly point out, Libby, is so tight. We're, we're scrounging for cash wherever we can get it. And, uh, you know, and, and there are those who would disagree on the priorities of the mayor and the money he's spending on those priorities. Uh, And so I think that's something that we can have a debate about now. Peggy Nash, a former NDP MP for Parkdale High Park, Janet Ecker, a former Ontario PC cabinet minister, and George Smitherman, a former Ontario Liberal cabinet minister. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Throughout the pandemic, we've heard from administrators in long-term care homes about their increasing dependence on temporary staffing agencies to cover their labor shortages. We know nurses and PSWs who work for those agencies make more money and have more flexibility. Advantage Ontario is the organization that represents nonprofit nursing homes. They put some numbers behind these complaints. And Advantage CEO Lisa Levin joined Libby to talk about the findings. We were hearing increasingly from our members um, during the pandemic that the prices for temporary staffing have gone higher and higher and higher. And this isn't every uh, temporary agency, but some of them are really exploiting the health human resource crisis that's out there and charging exorbitant fees. And this is really impacting the quality of care in the homes and the, the budget of the homes. I was a little surprised when I saw the numbers you put forward uh, for the pay. So uh, you're saying that the typical wage for a nurse is 43 bucks an hour? I, I would have thought it would have been more than that, actually. Well, um, you know, that's the average pay. Uh, it's higher in some homes and lower in other homes. And wages in general in long-term care are lower than they are in hospitals because the government doesn't provide as much funding for staff in long-term care as they do in hospitals. And that's a whole other issue related to this onto itself. Um, And we've been asking the government to equalize things. Because if you're a nurse working in long-term care, why should you get paid less than a nurse working in a hospital if you're not, you know, if you don't have some subspecialty or whatever? If you're just a regular nurse taking care of people, you should make the same amount no matter what setting you're in. Now, our municipal members are able to pay higher salaries for nurses and provide those benefits and pensions, but that's because they supplement the funding the province gives through their tax base. Okay, so uh, your average is $43 an hour, and you say that on average um, you you pay twice that to an agency plus fees. Uh, I was, uh, those fees look pretty eye-popping, 35% on top of double. 
Right. So it ranges according to the agency and where you are in the province. So it's certainly like the average uh, amount that a temporary nurse will make is 96 an hour. But some charge, we have one agency that we found out was charging $150 an hour for the same position. And then on top of that, if you're in the rural, in rural or northern areas, the fees are 30% higher. And then, yes, then there's these service fees that some agencies charge of up to 35% and then premiums for short notice staff of like $100 and it just goes on and on. And it's really not acceptable. Some people say, well, you know, that's capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I have no problem with people running a business. And in fact, temporary staffing agencies are really important in healthcare because of the 24-7 nature of the operation. It's not like a restaurant that you can shorten the hours and say, we don't have staff, we're going to close down. We need to keep homes running. And during the pandemic, I myself reached out to many temporary agencies, and they literally saved lives coming into homes when no one else would. But but at this point in time, some of these agencies are price gouging and taking advantage of this situation. And it's in, impacting the homes financially, and it's impacting residents and the, the level of care they receive, because homes can't afford to hire as many staff now, because they're paying so much for the agencies. Where are we at with all of this? So where we're at is we need immediate action. This is not a good situation. Uh, It's harmful to residents. It's not good for the homes. It's not good for anyone. And we need the government to address it immediately and put restrictions on these hourly agency rates and hold agencies accountable so that they can't uh, poach staff. They can't send people in without the right credentials and that they can't uh, price gouge. And uh, anything else that you would like to see come out of this? Well, we need a comprehensive health human resources strategy that looks at the entire healthcare system. The government has done a lot during the pandemic. They've raised wages of PSWs, which is amazing. But then that's impacted registered nurses, practical nurses who didn't get a raise. So you can't just tinker with one part and not have it impact the other. So we need a comprehensive strategy to look at how we can recruit and retain staff in this important sector. Advantage CEO Lisa Levin in conversation with Libby on Tuesday. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics. And we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Everyone wanted to talk about John Tory, including Jim in Toronto. Who, who says he's going to resign and doesn't resign? Again, an affair is an abuse of power. And it's the same with this. You say you resign and then you don't go. Again, it's entitlement. It's abuse of power. He's got too big for his britches. And we need somebody that's not sort of has the mentality of celebrity. We need somebody that's going to do the work and isn't all puffed up and pompous on his job. Just okay. like That's why Tory and uh, Doug Ford work together. Tony in Keswick also called with his opinion on the John Tory story. One more politician comes out when he knows he's about to get out by the media and comes out 
and trying to make it look like uh, he did the right thing, which is obviously the other thing is is that as soon as he comes out and he, and, and he resigns, that should be it. He should not be able to come in and put his last two sets worth in and then leave. He should be gone from the from the moment he resigns. He should be out. Hmm. Simple as that. And I'm tired of politics and politicians playing these games. You're out. You resign. You did something wrong. You broke up a family, your family plus the other ladies, and she's half your age. You know, that's about it. Maria in Toronto weighed in as well. I'm very upset about the whole thing because it's going to cost us a lot of money that should have been spent differently for better things than than by election. Uh, And I'm surprised that his advisors... Uh, led him to run for election, knowing it, what was going on in his life. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week is Daryl in Toronto, who phoned about the John Tory saga and what he would like to see happen next. I don't think he should resign. Uh-huh. Especially, you know, this is 2023, not 1923, the cost of an election. He made a commitment he should fulfill it after everything Rob Ford put us through. This is nothing. I also don't believe that a 31-year-old woman is necessarily a victim. I agree with that. Now, there's also the idea you mentioned earlier that the strong mayor powers are not transferable. That makes it totally abhorrent. We need a strong mayor to push back against the province, not to be their puppet to do it. I also am curious as to who broke the story to the star, who let this out. And uh, as you mentioned also earlier, Libby, that we are a creature of the province. And do we really want to see Michael Ford as the next mayor of the city, whether it's by appointment or by election with the conservative machine behind him? That does it for today's best of fight back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the fight back knockout call of the week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at fightback Libby and call our fightback voicemail anytime at 416 367 9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.